Well, good morning, Life Point. It's great to be with you today, and we do hope and pray that today is a blessing and an encouragement for your life. I want to invite you to take your Bibles this morning and turn to the 13th chapter of the letter of Romans, Romans chapter 13. I'm going to continue in our series today entitled Citizen Christian, and today we're going to talk about the role of government, and this will actually be the first part next week. I'll complete it. While you're turning there in your Bibles, let me tell you a little story. In July of 1999, Kristen and I traveled to Russia to complete the adoption and finalize the adoption of our son, Joshua Michael. It would be the first of two international trips through adoption where we were exposed to what you might call the ways of other worlds that we uh, had never been exposed to before. In 99, that was our first time to ever travel internationally for either one of us. And so our eyes were definitely opened. We flew into Moscow and then took a, a domestic flight from there to Volgograd, which was formerly known as Stalingrad. And Stalingrad, or Volgograd currently, is basically a historical museum of past tense rusting Russian glory following World War I and II. Our time uh, there allowed us the opportunity to tour several historical sites like their own version of the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier and those kinds of things. And what we found in 1999 Russia was a country desperately trying to maintain some measure of heritage while transitioning from communism to capitalism. But the posture of the people reflected a desperate suffrage under a lingering oppression that a communistic regimes have left by ravaging devastation upon them. That was the most striking thing we remember from our time in country. And as I begin to talk about the role of government today, I, I want to begin by kind of setting it in context because our aim for today is to set forth a, a theological foundation for government and our role in it. You know, on the earth, God has ordained four realms of authority. The first realm of authority is the individual conscience, and we introduced that last week. The second realm of authority is the family, the role of mother and father in the life of a child. The third realm of authority is the realm of government and their role in the world. And the fourth realm is the role of church and its authority in a person's life. But today, as we begin to look at the role of government, we're going to look at a theological foundation for the role of government and how it is a Christian should live as a citizen on the earth. And so this is where I want to begin today. And here's what I want you to look at with me over these next two weeks is that Christians recognize government as a servant of God's authority for the good of people to display his glory on the earth. That the way we recognize government is that they are in fact God's authority servants and they are here for the good of people to display his glory on the earth 
Now, from time to time, I'll get questions about some of the resources that I cite or some of the quotes that I provide. And if you're interested in, in looking at more of those, you can go to my website at mlaneharrison.com and you'll find a full sermon manuscript with citations as well as there will be a full bibliography of the sources that I'm citing. So you'll be able to find those there. Let's move to our text for today. Let me read it for us and then we'll go immediately into the message. The letter of Romans chapter 13 Paul writes these words, beginning in verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God. An avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of of conscience. For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. May God bless the reading, the hearing, the understanding, and the obeying of his word. Today, You see, friends, by God's design of government, He wills to bestow on all people the common grace of His justice, of His peace, and of prosperity in this world. This is why Paul exhorts Christians to submit to the governing authorities, because God has instituted or designated them for His good to us, or our good on earth. You see, this is what we know, that authority, all authority, is from God. Jesus teaches us this in Matthew chapter 28. All authority has been given to me by the Father, he is saying, on heaven and in earth. And so we can understand that our submission to earthly authority is the recognition of, their, of, his, of God's agents for the good of people. And so here we see Paul begins to outline their role and how it is that they serve God's purposes on earth. You see, I say for us that Scripture is neither vague nor unclear on the role of government. God's servants for our good is the role that they serve. And so today my aim is very simple. I want us to look at the role of government as God's servant of authority. God's servant of authority. As Paul said, that government is, has been instituted or that word designated by God. And he's designated them to hold and to exercise authority on earth. It's, very, it's useless to hold authority that is not exercised. And it's in vain to exercise something that one does not hold. 
It's important to begin here with where is their source of authority because we must rightly understand the authority that government exercises on earth. Author Dave Miller in his book, God and Government, states this, God ordained the state as a delegated authority, not autonomous. You see, Christians recognize that government authority is not because it's inherent to them, but because God has given it to them. And this authority is important for us to establish first because it establishes the foundation of Paul's argument and his appeal to Christians for how we are to relate to government in this world. Government surely does hold authority, but it is neither inherent nor is it autonomous as we will see in a moment. Rather, government authority is vested by God. Thomas Paine who was an English-American political activist, philosopher, and revolutionary in the 18th century, in the summer of 1776, penned what has become a timeless classic entitled Common Sense. I think we've lost it a lot in our world, but surely maybe we can pick up a copy and read some of it. That was a joke. I just had to throw it in there, okay? His writing inspired the 13 colonies to fight for and to declare their independence from Great Britain. And he begins his work by overviewing and addressing the role of government and and why it is that we need government. And, And he echoes some of the very sentiments that Paul teaches in Romans. Listen to this quote from Thomas Paine. Society is produced by our wants and government produced by our wickedness. The former promotes our happiness positively by uniting our affections. The latter negatively by restraining our vices. The one encourages relations. The other creates distinctions. The first is a patron. The last, a punisher. Society in every state is a blessing. But government, even in its best state, is but a necessary evil. In its worst state, an intolerable one. For were the impulses of conscience clear, uniform, and irresistibly obeyed, man would need no other lawgiver. But that not being the case, he finds it necessary to surrender up a part of his property to furnish the means for the protection of the rest." And this he is induced to do by the same prudence which in every other case advises him out of two evils to choose the least. Wherefore, security being the true design and end of government, it unanswerably follows that whatever form thereof appears most likely to ensure it to us with the least expense and greatest benefit is most preferable to all Others. Here then, he says, is the origin and rise of government, namely a mode rendered necessary by the inability of mortal virtue to govern the world. Here too is the design and end of government, freedom and security. Friends, as Christians, we should be some of the first to recognize in the very common writings of an individual that we should hear God's goodness for government even in these words. 
You see, it's critical that we begin by establishing the role of government because as Abraham Kuyper, a renowned Dutch pastor and leading figure in education, politics, and theology in the late 19th and early 20th century of, of, of the Netherlands, as he states this, an issue with government is the principle of authority. This is, in fact, the issue of government. And, and Kuiper wrote to a, a Europe that was coming out of the uh, overuse and abuse of authority by a Nazi regime in Germany. And so he writes, this principle of authority is the issue of government. And it's not because of their great intellect that they determined this. But friends, as with Kuiper would argue, it's because of the will of God. It is God's will for government to hold this authority on earth. It is also important for us to identify the source from where their authority is derived. Because where the source is derived determines the purpose of government. It determines the scope and the extent of their domain to rule in. It, it, it determines uh, how an office should be both obtained and held in that government. It also infers how the conduct of that office should carry out. And ultimately, it determines for us the origin and the rights of the people who are governed by the government. And so he goes on to say that a state is not an end in and of itself. It's only a means to prepare for a communal life in a higher order. You see, government exists for a higher purpose. And God is the one who determines that higher purpose. What the Bible teaches us and what we've heard echo through the ages is that God vests government with his authority for his Purposes. Now, the source of government's authority provides for us four very important clarifications. And I want to cover these with you today just to make sure we understand the clarification of the importance of government's authority and where its source is. Clarification number one is that government authority is not inherent. What do we mean by this? I've said this a couple of times already. It's recognized not only in the writing of the theologian Abraham Kuyper, but even in the founding father Thomas Paine. So in other words, it's written from a Christian perspective, but also a distinctively non-Christian perspective. Government authority is not inherent. You see, just because... One is in a position that was gained by or in a position of power does not mean that their authority comes from the power by which they gained their position. Power that gets exercised to establish a government does not determine that they have their authority because of that power. This would be seen in every rogue ruler that uh, throughout the history, from Nazi Germany to all of the others throughout history. Government is established by a government that is established by power and might is still accountable to God for the role it serves and the way it carries out its responsibility, whether that is acknowledged or not. And so the first clarification we must make about the source of government authority is that it is not inherent with the power that they may have ruled by to obtain their position. 
The second clarification is that government authority is not autonomous. You see, this means that a government can act however it is that it pleases, though it may and it may try, but rather it should not. But for sure we know that it will be accountable for its actions if in fact it does. Government is sovereign in the realm in which God has instituted it to remain. But it is not autonomous in its authority. You see, we will talk about the sovereignty of a nation's government and what that means for them. But before we get there, we need to understand that their source of authority does not make them sovereign in all realms, but only in the realm for which God has ordained them to rule. Government is always accountable to God, first and foremost, for the way it governs its people. And that reminds us that God is watching and he knows. The third clarification is this, that government authority does not, first and foremost, come as a product of the collective decision or will of the people. Again, this is a clarification because it's important for us who live in a world where we participate in government process and the political process. But the way that a government operates biblically from a biblical perspective does not mean that the means of that operation becomes the source or the origin of their authority. Again, Abraham Kuyper is helpful for us here. He says this, The various relationships that are manifest in the life of the state did not arise by agreement, but were ordained as powers over us, apart from us, and for a sacred purpose to us. You see, when Kuiper goes on to complete this idea, he says this, that the moral purpose for which the higher, uh, that, that there is a moral purpose, rather, for which the higher power has willed that the role of government operate, and that cannot be omitted. In other words, the government in and of itself, regardless of how it attains power, must recognize how it is that its authority has been sourced. Government serves at the head of state. Therefore, it it is a role of a moral organism. And the purpose of this moral organism is the establishment of that which is necessary to maintain what is right among the people. Now, in order to do that, there has to be a determination of, in fact, what is right and what is wrong. And so the determination of what is right does not come from the people, but that is what comes from the higher power. And so we see that God, who vests government with authority, He is the one who establishes the rightness of which government is responsible to maintain. Fourth clarification is that the state has a duty to exercise its authority because it is a governing body, not just an administrative one. Government is the servant of God in the sense that willingly or unwillingly, it is and it remains dependent upon God. It received its power from Him and it serves His counsel for people. And so recognizing their role and their source of authority, government 
government must hold as its duty to ensure that the right for which they are established is the aim and the end in the exercise of all their authority. In other words, government holds authority from God, but they don't have the right to choose to not exercise that authority for that which is right and wrong as determined by God's higher moral purpose. Now, finally, Abraham Kuyper culminates his argument that helps us, his argument for government authority by saying this, essential is the belief that there is a God who has ordained the principles of law and rightness and justice that must honor and a government that one must obey. You see, the Bible makes clear that government is God's steward with his vested authority to carry out his purpose of good for people on the earth. This is what I want to introduce today for us to begin to understand that this is why Christians recognize government as a servant of God's authority for the good of his people to display his glory on the earth. And we have a great freedom for us to be able to do this, a great right for us as American citizens, but even more so as Christians who live in America. And we are not trying to establish a, uh, an intellectual argument for government, but rather a theological foundation for government. I have recently begun to watch a documentary called Dicing with Death. It's a documentary that surveys the most dangerous roads in the world. And if I'm honest with you, I hate it. I mean, literally, I hate it. It drives me nuts. I sit on the edge of my seat. I chew my fingernails. Every nervous habit comes out in me as they drive along the edge of some of the most dangerous roads in the world. But truth be known, I can't shut it off. I mean, I just can't get enough of it, and I've come to love it. One of those episodes is about the country of Myanmar. And it follows a single driver over one of his deliveries and it shows how difficult his situation is. Obviously, uh, his situation and his truck especially is worse than a bag of rusty bolts. It's a miracle that the commentator says that it's even still running. It's deplorable, but even worse than that are the roads and the driving conditions that he has to pass over as he drives within feet, literally, of thousand-foot cliffs, and the roads are so muddy and ruddy that, that it just moves the truck at will across the road. And so you never really know if the road's going to catch you before it sends you over the edge of the cliff. And so this show in particular follows him on a 60-kilometer journey from where he picks up his goods to the market that he's going to deliver them on. Now, to give you some frame of reference, 60 kilometers is give or take 38 miles. And the trip takes two days, and each day includes six to eight hours of driving under these intense conditions. And at one point towards the end of the show... The, the host of the show asked him why it is and how it is that he copes with such horrendous conditions. And this is his answer. He says, this is freedom. So much better, he says, than when we were an occupied country and had to depend on government for everything. And then he asked, how could I possibly complain? It's interesting 
What kind of perspective he provides in his answer there for us. Because so often, I think when we get to the chaos of like an election year we find ourselves in, sometimes it's just easier to check out and to try to act as though we're okay, not having anything to do with the process. But friends, we're called to a higher calling. We need to remember that we are building a theology of and not outlining a political argument for government. God gave government as a realm of authority on earth in order to establish and to maintain goodness that reflects His goodness and rightness in the world. And so often government is riddled and muddled in sin even though It is still God's will to use it as an agent in this world to confront the reality of sin and injustice and the wrongs that are taking place. But the way that Christians relate to government becomes a testimony to our faith in God. You see, friends, our trust is not in government. Our trust is in God. We know this because we trust God, that government agents will give an answer to him for how it is that they executed their authority, how they carried out their responsibilities. Lawmakers will answer to God for the laws that they made. Law enforcement agents will answer to God for the justice and the way that they enforced the law. Judges will answer to God for their rulings And citizens will answer to God for their lawful or lawlessness. But friends, I offer this to us as well as Christians to guide us. Christians will answer for their earthly citizenship and how it is that we apply the reality and the truths of our heavenly citizenship while we lived on earth. And the Great Commission and the gospel of Jesus Christ reminds us that Christians should labor for justice as God's good in every realm in the world. But we need to be clear that we know what it is that justice is and what it is not. For the world wants to confuse those messages and bring chaos so it can reestablish that standard of rightness and justice. The law of God is the foundation for all true justice, for law and order in the human realm. And friends, without God's law, true justice cannot exist and will never be obtained nor maintained. And so I close with this one final consideration. Are politics then averse or in some way separate from the gospel. Do, do we just have to check out on the gospel to engage in politics? Or do we have to choose to check out of politics in order to maintain a faithful witness for the gospel? And the answer to that is absolutely not. Why? Because Jesus Christ is Lord over the whole universe. He holds all authority, not only in the heavenly realms, but in the earthly realms as well. This is our testimony. This is the true good that we bear witness to from God in the world. This is the way God ordained how all things should work to the fulfillment of his will and the good for his people. We should not check out, but we should not overtrust in his earthly servants as well. Ours is as a faithful witness in the world of the one who is Lord over 
the world. We do not remove, but rather we bring front and center the glory of God for the honor of King Jesus. For friends, we know this, that God's glory is displayed in all creation for the good of mankind. And so Christians come to bear witness to King Jesus' true glory of righteousness, of justice, of peace, and of good for all. Therefore, the gospel of Jesus Christ serves as the heart of our very witness. And as we build a theological foundation, it should inform and it should fuel our engagement, yea, even into the realm of politics through the gospel of Jesus Christ because it shows us the critical and the essential role of the Christian witness to declare the glory, the good, the peace, and the honor of King Jesus in the public square. Now, I'll build on this next week to talk about the three principal responsibilities of government in the exercising of their authority. But today, I want to conclude by praying for us simply. And I want to ask you, in a season where so much chaos seems to dictate so much civility, friends, have you remembered that the Lordship of Jesus Christ is not limited, but is unlimited? It's not for the here and now only, but it's for the here and now because He and His kingdom are eternal. And His kingdom and living in it is not in some way separate from our existence in the world and the earthly kingdom now, but it should inform our citizenship in every way. And my hope and prayer is to strengthen you and to encourage you to stay faithful to confess the Lordship of Jesus Christ in every aspect, in every activity, in every realm and domain of your life. Let me pray for you and for us to that very end. Lord Jesus, we look to you in times of uncertainty. We look to you to clear the chaos and confusion for us. We look to you Because we know you and you alone are Lord of all. And Father, grant to us the grace through your word, by your spirit, as we walk daily with you to understand the things of this world as seen through the eyes of the truth of who you are. And Father, not to be people that are, that are satisfied to wage war as the world wages war. But Lord, to wield divine weapons. And to labor for the things that you have left us here to labor for. Your peace. Your goodness. And ultimately the hope and the help that you give to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.